This is your coffee break. Hey friends, I'm back again this week, and once again, as always, I have an amazing treat for you. I have with me on the line right now author Jeffrey Weaver, who has just a fascinating story about how he kind of went ahead and created this beautiful set of books, and the the story behind this I think is really fascinating. So Jeffrey, welcome to the show. My pleasure, Sarah. So excited to have you. You and I have been corresponding by email a little bit. And you just have this really interesting story behind why you wrote these books. And I would just love for you to share that with our listeners. Well, it, it actually started, I had gone back to college in 2009 at the age of 62 to work on my master's in economics because I wanted to go teach. And in the course of going back to school, I discovered I was required to retake all my academic writing classes uh-huh. because the ones I had from years ago would not transfer in. And I wasn't all that happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> so at any rate, I happened to, while I was taking these, I happened to meet a couple professors that were life changers for me. And they took an interest in my writing and encouraged me to write more and take creative writing classes. So after I finished my academic writing classes, I started taking all the creative writing classes from fiction to poetry to um, any anything they had to offer. <laughs> I, f- I fell in love with writing, even though I hated it before that, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, while I was at school, one of my professors at who, who has actually changed my life dramatically, a young gal named Shana Trapito. And she was an academic writing professor, and she actually had us write journals. And it was our, you know, it was something that she looked at, and we, her and I had kind of a love-hate relationship to start <laughs> with. But it turned into something pretty cool, because we started corresponding back and forth in the journal about what the responsibility of the student and the teacher was. She was one of the brightest people I've ever met, but I think that she was having some difficulty with her profession at the time. And I kind of got mad at her one time and lectured her in my journal about what my job as a student was, is I show up every single day and I want to learn and I came to this class to learn from you and your job is to show up every single day and give me your best shot. Mm -hmm. If you do that, I'll give you mine. (laughs) Yeah. So that journal kind of unfolded that way and I ended up really love journaling. Well, about a year and a half later, my wife was diagnosed with stage four incurable cancer. I talked to one of my writing professors about maybe starting an online journal to keep family and friends updated on her condition because it's awful hard to make, you know, 200 phone calls and you don't want to leave anybody out. Oh, gosh. So we decided to do a blog. And that blog was initial intention only was to just provide medical updates. And it didn't take very long for that blog to blow up into something a lot more than that. When we found out that she was going to die, and that was that's pretty hard to do. She she at the time was forty eight years old, oh. and it was it was hard. And when they when they told her that, out of desperation, I started doing some other things like, well, what can I do to help? Maybe mm-hmm. we can find some ways to buy her a day, a week, a month until we can get her into a drug mm-hmm. trial. So what what happened was is as I started doing a little research on nutrition because I know a little bit about that sort of thing. And I, I found out that 
for example, cancer cells consume sugar at a 40 times higher rate than a normal cell. And I thought, well, that's something I can do. And so in the course of this blog, I started writing about some lifestyle changes that we were making. And as her condition got worse and worse and worse, because over a period of about three or four weeks, they discovered that her cancers had traveled all over her body from her it, she has both kinds of breast cancers. She's special. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> One on each side. And then it had traveled to her limb system, to both lungs, to her spine, and to her pelvic bones. And at that point, that's when they said, there's no hope for you. And so at any rate, as she started going through her chemo treatments, I realized just exactly how tough it was to be a caregiver because I'm also a cancer survivor. I, I had my own harsh battle with cancer back in the early 2000s. Oh my gosh. And so <laughs> so I had I had a unique perspective when I was writing this blog as a survivor and as a caregiver and I will assure you being a caregiver is a lot harder. And so as 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 I was writing this thing it became apparent that I was finding enough information that I might be able to help other people. So the blog emerged from just informing people to what was going on with her as to f informing people to what they could do to make their lifestyles healthier so they wouldn't have to go through this. And I started writing about all the science behind the foods and things that are known to fight cancer and other lifestyle changes. So that blog really, really got this whole thing started. When I decided to write, it wasn't about this book. <laughs> yeah, I went out and I loved the creative writing process so much that I, I had written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of short stories. And I have been told that I'm not too bad at it. Good. So I, so I started searching for an editor to give me some help because I have some, I have some issues with grammar mm -hmm. and spelling. <laughs> <laughs> As do we all, yeah. yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I know that I need, I need a professional. So I, I, I interviewed dozens and dozens of, of editors and we've we landed on luck would have it we landed on a, a fantastic lady Naomi Long and out of um, Santa Monica who has an editing firm the artful editors and we interviewed her my wife and I went up and talked to her and we talked to her about doing maybe an anthology of short stories or taking one of those short stories and turning it into a book or mm -hmm. something and one day Susan came to me and she says, I, you know, I've, I had approached her earlier about writing the book about her because so many people had told me about it. And she said, oh, hell no, you're not writing a book about me. That <laughs> blog was bad enough. Oh. Well, one day she came to me and this is after we hired Naomi. She says, I want you to quit school and write that book. And I asked her why the change of heart. And she told me that one of her friends had asked her for help. Uh, after she had was diagnosed with cancer, and she, and the lady had this the same kind of results that Susan did from these lifestyle changes, uh -huh. and she had actually came up to Susan and thanked her for helping save her life. And Susan told me, she says, "I realized I've been selfish with this information that we that you have got so much stuff here that you can help other people. So go ahead and write that book and quit school." Oh my! And so God. I dropped out. Of, I dropped out of classes and spent the next year turning that blog into a book. And that's how that book came to being. We, we completely switched gears from trying to write fiction to, to telling her story. And it was actually one of the best things that I've ever done. What we did with the book is we left it in journal form. So when people 
when people read the story, they're reading it in real time. It's not a retrospective. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I told Naomi, the editor, was, is please don't make this too slick. I, I don't want this to look like mm-hmm. some big-time professional writer wrote this. I'm just a regular guy desperate to help his wife make it from today till tomorrow till next week. And I need that feel to be there. And, and she did a fantastic job of kind of leaving my original voice alone. We cleaned things up. But anyway, that, that's how the book came to pass is through that original blog. And my wife, actually a year and a half after we switched over to a, a whole food plant-based diet, um, was told that she was in complete remission. Her doctors are calling her like this little miracle girl. Oh, my and, gosh. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> anyway. What a what an amazing and incredible and beautiful story. I'm I'm a little overwhelmed right now. And and it's interesting because um I've heard you tell the story before in an email, but hearing you tell it in person is very meaningful. So thank you yeah. for sharing that with yeah, us. You're you're welcome. My gosh. So I have a I have a little bit of a hard time I have a little bit of a hard time talking to people about this sometimes because it it's emotional for me. Um so <laughs> It is absolutely. And it's, it's, wow. Yes. I'm going to take a deep breath and then we'll continue because this is, this is so incredible. So you wrote the book first and then the cookbook followed? Correct. Well, the cookbook was the, the main book has the journal. It has a food section on all the food spices and herbs that fight cancer, the science behind it. It has another section on the foods that you should never eat because Mm. they, they fuel tumor growth and and create inflammation in your cells and wreck your cardiovascular system mm-hmm. and the science behind why you shouldn't eat that. But I had to develop all my own recipes because the diet Susan is on, is every single ingredient that she eats is a cancer-fighting food. If it does not fight cancer, she doesn't eat it. And the foods that are the best at it are spices and herbs. So I I had to write all my own recipes because back when I started doing this in 2012, there wasn't as much information out there as there is now. Now you can't go anywhere without seeing it. But I had to hunt long and hard to find a lot of this information then. And so I I decided to write my own recipes where I could add as many of these cancer-fighting foods as I, as I could to each recipe. And so in that main book, there are 55 um, recipes. So how the cookbook came about, which, by the way, is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I can attest to this. Yep. We, we did a Kickstarter campaign to help oh. <clears throat> fund the remainder of the project because I was self-funding this whole thing. And one of the I, – I, as we were trying to come up with our different rewards packages, I told Naomi, the editor, says, I think I want to create a cookbook, and, and I want to do it spiral bound because I'm a cook and being able to lay that cookbook out flat on the counter or lean it up against something without the pages flipping is important. I said also just as a little added kicker I want every page to be laminated and she said do you realize how much that's going to cost you (laughs) (laughs) and I said I don't care I want I want to do that so we took a number of the recipes about 30 or 35 of the recipes out of the main book and just put them in the cookbook as a as kind of a sweetener for a higher rewards package. That little thing turned out so beautiful that we're now making it available 
online within the next week or so. We can't sell it directly through Amazon because the cost is just prohibitive. That thing is like $25 per copy just to produce. Oh my gosh. Well, I, I can attest. I'm holding a copy right here. It is absolutely beautiful. It is beautiful. And I love it. I'm a messy cook. And so yeah. um, t- things <laughs> tend to splatter and boil over. And yeah. I, I love that this uh, is, is sort of impermeable to those forces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, it's, 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 I'm proud of both of those books. It, it, it was, you know, doing this memoir thing was not my intention when I wanted to start writing, but mm-hmm. that's as where. And I, I'm reluctant to say this, but um, I think higher forces, and I think you know what I'm talking about, led me to this. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that sometimes in life um, you are destined to do something. And I think a lot of my life experiences had led me up to this moment where I was put here where I could help be a part of saving my wife's life and maybe somebody else's. Um, so that it's been it's been an interesting process. Beautifully said. I want to ask a few things about the writing process. So earlier on, you you talked about you fell in love with writing after hating it for so long. Can you tell me a little bit about your relationship with writing? You know, I I, I never was very good at it, and I, so I, I never I, in college. I when I first went to school. I didn't have a background in English because I wasn't, it, it just wasn't an interest of mine. And what I found out was, is I'm severely dyslexic. And I didn't know that, you know, it's just kind of a funny thing. But I went through life not knowing that I was dyslexic. And But I always wondered how come I had such a difficult time with writing because, it, I mean, I'd swapping words around here and there and doubling up on words and I just couldn't see things. And so I just didn't do it. And one of my writing professors in a, in a lab really took interest in me and she she said you really have to do this Hmm. and it's kind of it's kind of funny you meet one or two people in life that change your life and Brenda Boren was one of those people and she she's she urged me to take the creative writing classes after I finished my academic writing classes and as I started to taking um, a writing workshop class, a short fiction workshop class, I fell in love with Raymond Carver. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) And his style speaks to me, right, and it hits me right in the heart. And that's how I, I, when I I realized that's how I want to write. I want to write plainly. I want to write, you know, where where you're just a a blue-collar common guy, because that's kind of who I am at heart. Mm-hmm. I grew up on a cattle ranch in Western Oregon, you know, just, it really, it really got to me. And I fell in love with writing short stories. Mm-hmm. And I started studying writing, not necessarily writing, but studying how people put these stories together. Mm-hmm. And since 2009, that's, I've spent a huge amount of time learning the mechanics of writing and you know, I, one, one thing I've learned is, is if you're going to do something, you have to kind of know the fundamentals and the basics if you want to do it correctly. Mm-hmm. And so I have spent a great deal of time studying how to do it as, along with writing. And so that, that's that's kind of how that process started for me. I love it. What was the biggest, was there something that was an aha moment for you with how stories are put together or any advice you'd like to give our listeners? Yeah, you know, 
one of the things I, I learned early on is it's not plot doesn't mean all that much. The stories that really connect with people are the, the inner struggle and the emotional things that happen inside somebody. Um, you're, I, I think that we're all wired to connect emotionally to things, not necessarily because the, it's, a, it's got an exciting, thrilling plot line, although there is a place for that. So I've always tried to write, be character-driven, and explore what makes relationships work. Because I've got a contentious relationship with my dad. Mm-hmm. My dad is my hero. But I'll be doggone off. I spent 62 years trying to please my father, and I've never been able to do it yet. And because of that, I've always wanted to explore why that thing. And I've talked to other people that go through, through something similar. And one of my writing professors in that creative workshop, she said, Jeff, you like to write about you like to write about relationships, don't you? And I said, yeah, it's because I think it's really important. Well, as soon as she said that, it made me realize that she was telling me that I was on the right track for me, mm-hmm. was write those stories about relationships. The plot lines will fall into place. And so when I start writing anything, in fact, I'm on the original thing that I was going to write a book about was one of the short stories that I had written in her class that I love and I love the characters in that. So I'm, I've, I've actually gone back and I'm about halfway through that book now. What I do is, is I go <clears throat> I go write all the backstories for my characters first. So I need to know who they are. And I need to know all of the things, that's, not all of the things, but a lot of the things that got to where they are. So when you're writing about them, the decisions they're making in your story will kind of make sense and you can reflect back to, and let readers know that, you know, you had a really contentious relationship with your father or this thing happened to you that caused you to have this sort of worldview. And so that's kind of how I approach it. I write all my all my character bios first. Um, I, I go through the I, I go through my storyline. What if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? I keep asking myself questions. You know, why did this character do this? And if it doesn't connect with what I wrote originally about in the character bio, that I know I need to fix things. Everything has to have a, a genesis from before. So you plunk your character down kind of in the middle, of, just before the crisis happens. But you got to know how they got there in order to kind of torment them along the way. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so there, there, there has to be a reason why, you know, at, at the end, everything has to make sense and you have to give it to them and then you have to take it away from them. And to me, it's all that inner conflict, not necessarily the adventure along the way. So that's that's how I approach that. And you know what? I think those are all my favorite stories, too. The plot is kind of eh, whatever. I love getting to know characters. I love investing myself emotionally in what they're going through. Yes, absolutely. As I'm sitting here writing this fiction, piece of fiction, and revisiting what makes a good fictional story is the, the quest through this journey that, you, that things are taken away from you and you mm-hmm. have to overcome a lot of stuff. I think that our, our recipe for hope actually follows that exact um, process mm-hmm. I, process is not the right word, but it but it has those exact same elements in it, and it's a it's a real life thing. Mm-hmm. So we had a we were doing okay in life, and then everything was taken away from us, everything, and and I mean to the point where we were almost homeless. Oh 
it was all over um, diseases. And as we we had to fight and fight and fight, and what we were fighting for was literally my wife's life. Mm. And our, you know, God would give us things and God would take things away from us, so yeah. to speak. And as I went back and reread that book, that same thing happened to us that you, what makes a good fiction story. There's a real quest and there's a real journey there of success and then failure and then success and then failure. The ups and the downs of this thing were just a good writer couldn't have dreamed up a storyline and an arc better than the one that we had in there and that just kind of unfolded before us. And I think that's why it's so compelling to people is because we have those emotional connections. And one of the things that we did in that book, Sarah, was as I I took the flesh off all the way down to the bone. I exposed everything in there. Mm. And it's one of the reasons why my wife was a little bit unhappy with me writing, wanting to write this book is because I told people everything and how hard things were. And I, I, I think by doing that and letting people know our story down to how awful things were for us and then at the end, you know, we end up hearing you're in complete remission, you're a miracle mm. girl was this big payoff at the end that we didn't anticipate. <laughs> so uh, there is something to letting people connect emotionally to a story that makes it really memorable. Um, as, a, as an old businessman, I've had great success in business, and I know how to build businesses. And I told my wife, if I'm going to write, I'm going to do it just like I would do any other business. I'm going to study my craft. I'm going to learn what I need to do. And I'm going to invest what I have to invest, regardless of, of the cost or the time or anything else. So I started listening to podcasts. And I've been listening to your podcast for a very long time, along with a number of other ones. And the encouragement that you give people like myself who haven't yet been out in the marketplace and are still questioning their abilities and all that kind of stuff was a really a big help for me. Um, you can do this, you can do this, you can do this, just sit down and do it. And that encouragement, uh, I, I don't know how many people that you've helped, but I'll bet you it's a bunch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you. <clears throat> One of the things that I do is, is if something's not working for me, I have no problems with cutting it out of my life. I, life is too short. I'm not going to waste any time on noise, so to speak. And so there's a lot of podcasts out there, Sarah, that are noise. And they're self-aggrandizing, and they're offering you up a bunch of pablum that doesn't, you know, I, and I, will, I won't, wouldn't say who it, who it was, but <laughs> I probably listened to, I don't know, 10, 12 different writing podcasts. I have about six of them left. You guys provide a valuable service and a resource for people that want to write and want to write well. And I think if you're going to do something, the, the key is, is you have to invest the time and the effort to do it well because if you're not going to do it well you're you're kind of wasting your own time mm -hmm. or it's just a hobby for you mm -hmm. and I, I want to make writing something a lot more than a hobby um, I don't know that I'll ever make a living at it but I know that I'm going to do it forever and I've decided that I'm not one of those self-publishing writers where I have to turn out material every 30 to 60 days and kind of that write publish repeat mm -hmm. uh, model mm -hmm. out there that, there's a place for that um, but I truly believe that you're never going to write outstanding material doing that. You'll make more money doing that, but you're not ever going to write really outstanding material because writing great content takes time. It takes a lot of effort and it 
it has to marinate and there's a i mean it's just just not something that's possible in 60 days and i've never been somebody that wanted to just turn out a bunch of stuff i want to turn out stuff that's really good so i study this stuff and you're you're part of my venture into this writing world and i you know i the the guests that you have i some of them are like the 84 year old guy and oh, the young yeah. guy that, those two guys kind of really stand out because they're on the opposite ends of the spectrums but they both have great stories mm. and i admire both of them greatly you know the 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 kid that's traveling and volunteering time all over what i can't remember oh, his uh, name uh, jake halbron jake halbert yeah I'm 18, 19 years old, and he's got all these great stories, and he's 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 taking the initiative to go tell them. And then the, the other gentleman that's 84, I mean, how cool is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool, and and now your story is one of them. Like you're you're going to be out there inspiring people to do exactly the same thing. Yeah, well, you know, you you have to, I think, decide what it is that you want to do, and and. There's a lot of fears that you have to overcome, and my biggest fear is the fear of rejection, so to speak. Mm. I I don't like it necessarily, um, <laughs> um, and it and that stems healthy. back from well, that stems back from my relationship with my dad. My dad is a he's he's a very cool guy. I don't I'm, I don't want people to think that I don't like my dad because I do. I love my dad, but good lord, he's hard <laughs> to please, and. I have I have achieved great success in life. I've also lost it all. Mm. But I have been high, high up on Wall Street. I was a, a world-class track athlete at one time. My dad has never told me, you did good, kid. Wow. <laughs> and in oh fact, when I talk to him about something, he always points out something that I did wrong. In fact, when he read the manuscript on my book before it was finished, he said, he didn't say, boy, this is really good, kid. He said, there's some mistakes in here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm going, yeah, Dad, I know. It's oh. like hasn't been fully edited yet. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So that's my biggest fear in life is fear of failure and fear of rejection. So you have to overcome those fears and set it aside and give it a whirl because if you don't, you're always going to regret it. I talk to young people all the time. Um, while I'm in school and another th in business and all kinds of stuff, and I always tell them one thing is, is you know what, don't be afraid to get knocked down. Get off the road, go out and adventure, and see what happens. And you know, view those bad parts as part of the process that's going to make you stronger and it's going to make you better. And uh, you know, it's it's just part of it. If, if if everything was a flat line, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have things to compare to other things to. It's so interesting that you talk about rejection. I was cleaning out my office this morning and uh, found all of my rejection letters, <laughs> and I have them in a little pile right here next to me right now, and uh, just looking through those and and. They were so disheartening at the time, but now you can kind of look back and see like what you've learned from them and how you've grown from that time. And so I, I appreciate you saying that so much. I think a lot of people have the same the same fear. It's just you have to overcome it. And, you know, being rejected is part of the process. It is. It is. It is. It's absolutely it's part of it's part of your growth. And I love what you said about, you know, growth not being a flat line. You need to you need to take that journey. So. 
I want to ask if people are interested in purchasing either of your books, if they want to find you online, get in touch with you, what do they do and where do they go? The main book is the memoir is available on Amazon. You can go to my website, which is jeffreyweaver.com. And that's where you can find the cookbook. Oh, excellent. Because the, the cookbook is so expensive, I couldn't sell it. I, I couldn't just have direct sales through the publisher on there because I'd have to sell it for 60 or $70 because it's just so expensive to produce. <sighs> and so I just order them um, from the printers and have them here. So if somebody wants one, um, I'm putting in a button there that, that will you know, just leave a message and I'll pack it up and send it off to you. You can also buy the book off my website as well, but that's just a link that takes people to Amazon. So Wonderful. I'll make sure to include uh, links to those things in the show notes for today's episode. This is a great interview. You have so many wonderful things that will encourage so many wonderful people to write and to tell their story and to find hope. And I just, I absolutely love this. So thank you, yeah. Jeffrey. It's it's a mutual it's a mutual thing here. You know, I, I I appreciate what you do because you're you're helping a lot of people, Sarah. I, I mean, I can't I can't emphasize that enough. To sit down and listen to your when you're talking to people, you know, that's why I highlighted the 18 and the 84 year old. Mm. The, the the world out there is is full of interesting stories, and people don't know how to tell them or whether they should tell them. By doing your podcast, you're giving people that inspiration that anybody can do this by bringing people like those two folks to the airways so uh, people like me can listen to their stories. And that inspires me to get off my butt and get <laughs> things done. Well, this has been this has been an absolute pleasure, Jeffrey. I, and I, I hope that we do keep in touch going forward. I would like that very much. Uh, I think you can count on that. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, once again, links to Jeffrey's books will be in the show notes for today's episode, as well as his website, jeffreyweaver.com. And um, boy, I don't even remember how I usually end these things. I'm just so, my mind is just, I'm just so taken with this. Oh, you, you, you have to go talk about your the people that you've got to leave a message and oh. reviews for you oh, that's on right, that's right. Uh, iTunes. <laughs> And then Patreon and... <laughs> I am smiling so big right now. I love this. <laughs> I could almost do it for you. I love it. Oh, I love it. That's right. Leave me a review on iTunes. Uh, visit sarahwerner.com slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Jeffrey, this is wonderful. I hope that we keep in touch. And, uh, and I look forward to chatting again. Okay. Thank you, Sarah. Bye I appreciate it. Thank you.